I get 70% of my leads from the residential agents who can't practice commercial because they just, they're not in the industry. They don't have access to those tools and the systems. They don't, they don't understand it, which is fine. So I do get a lot of help from the residential friends that I developed over a decade. Um, and then, you know, the business owners in my community have now come to like respect me as a commercial agent. You know, there's 6,000 residential agents in the market, but now that I've said, Hey, I'm like this specialty type of person over here. I'm getting business from people I otherwise never would have had access to as a resident commercial agent. Hello friends, it's Amy Calandrino and I'm coming back to you for another installment of the Performance Mindset Podcast. After over a decade of advising business owners and entrepreneurs and investors, I wanted to share some of the really cool people I've met along the way. So if you're looking to grow, you're tuning into the right show. I have Cassandra Hartford on today. She is a fellow commercial real estate woman badass. She has her own boutique brokerage down in Melbourne, Florida, the Space Coast, which we'll get into some with our questioning today. What inspires me the most about Cassandra is how real she is and authentic she is. And so that's either a good or bad thing for people that want fake people. It's probably not the best thing, but people who like good people that are authentic, it's a good thing. So at one point, she was 18 years old with two babies and she was recently divorced and jobless. And she decided to take a leap and go and get her real estate license. It took five times to pass that, but she has climbed the ladder. She's in the top 1% of her peers in her area. And I just love her energy. Like what's so interesting too, is just, I was out at my favorite restaurant just this weekend and who walks in, but Cassandra. So, so it's so awesome, but you can read all about her more on the bio. Don't want to necessarily read that. I really want to kind of jump into everything. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. I'm so excited to be here with you. So let's like, let's go back to the beginning Cause I think that has a lot to do with like your mindset and you know, where you're at. Can you kind of talk about that? What, what's been kind of like the key turning points for you in your journey? Yeah. Well, all the key turning points were, were the universe just shifting in such a way that I had to pivot and I didn't really have a choice. I've always been intrigued by the individuals who kind of get into a depression and they stay in bed all day and they kind of stop life. And like, I've never been able to fucking do that, right? Like life has punched me in the face so many times. And you, you, you literally get back up and you're like, all right, I got a, I got a, a fucking black eye. I'm going to keep pushing through this. And pardon me, I'm a cusser. So if you don't like cussing, it might be time to tune out right about now. Yep. But you know, life started pretty rough for me. I was raised 200% below the poverty level. You know, some mornings before school, we didn't have utilities. So I was like washing my hair in buckets with the neighbor's hose so that I didn't, I wasn't the smelly or gross kid at school. So coming from that environment into an industry where I literally have a license to cash checks, I saw endless potential to outwork and run circles around my competition. And God, I just hung on to that and just every day I show up and I've noticed that it's really, really easy to excel in this industry. If you're willing to just like go through uncomfortable moments and just keep working and keep working and keep learning and keep working. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. It's not something I've talked about like a lot publicly. Some people know it, but when we came down my family from Vermont to Florida, we like parked our trailer on someone else's land 
with like no running water, no like utilities to save enough like money to like come down here. And like, we would literally like boil like the water, like on the stove, like up to like lukewarm. And like, you know, that this is your pot, Amy, to like wash yourself and, or we'd bathe in the lake or whatever. But we like, yeah, we lived in trailers probably until I was like in sixth grade. And then we finally like got like a house, but I totally get it. I was a free lunch kid and I love those little milks that you would get though. Like, you know, so every day at school, but I get it. I mean, I think that that hunger and that drive, I think it also, it just makes you so much more humble having that experience. Like too, you haven't given it, you haven't been given everything with like a silver spoon. You've had to like earn every little bit of it. Every little bit of it. I was, you know, I was having this discussion with someone, I think yesterday, like not nothing I have, it was been handed to me. Um, and I take pride in that, you know, I'm very, um, you know, that, that conversation was based around, you know, uh, another female in the industry. She's on the residential side. She made a snide comment about how, oh, I got this big customer. I must have slept with them. And I'm like, to, to take away all of the hard work that I've done to earn those customers and just to, is that what you would have to do to earn that customer? You know, it's just our, our industry, it can be a little rough like that. And then if you've gone through what I've gone through and you try to, you, you know, take away everything I've earned, it really pisses me off. It's interesting. I found that people tend to project their personality onto other people so that like often those people that are saying those things about people, it's because they may already kind of have that in their, their blood. So they may suspect that other people like do it. Like it's like people that call people liars or cheats then often or like, I've gone through like a relationship recently that everybody's out to screw her. But then I realized she, she may be doing the same thing. It's really interesting. It's like, she's the one doing the screwing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And like one thing you were talking about, and I actually had a conversation with somebody about this today is like, yeah, I don't understand the not getting out of bed. I've never been at that point. Like I, I've never been able to give up, like no matter like how, like I, I might get pretty down low, and it might be really, really, really hard, but I've never been able to just like give up. It's actually something I've shared in like therapy, <laughs> like with my therapist yeah. is like, I like, like, I just, I don't know why, but I just can't give up. I guess it's a good, it's a good thing. So that's why I'm having this this podcast, but uh, Absolutely. now you're in the top 1% of your peers. Like how long, how long did it take you to get to that point? Like five, 10 years or just most mainly in the last few years, you kind of hockey puck, hockey sticked up. Yeah. I mean, um, I've been working on all of this half my life. So yeah, (laughs) literally it's taken a full decade to, to get where I'm at, wherever that is. But, um, you know, I, I was guilty. I'm so guilty of it. I hate to admit it, but I was a resi commercial agent for 10 years. I did both. I was really, really, really good at both. And about four or five years ago, I discovered that all of the older men in my industry were teetering on retirement and there was no one in my market to take that market share. So I pivoted and I really hockey sticked up from there. There's just, and I, you know, there's just no competition. And that sounds terrible because I, w- I wish that there was more in our market. Why? Because agents from Miami and Tampa and New York are now getting listings in my backyard because there's not enough of me to go around and there's not enough agents, ser- local agents serving our market. So it's, it's a, it's a growing pain that we're going through, but it, you know, it's taken me 15 years to get here through, you know, other sides of the industry up and down, but really the trajectory has just been those last four or five years. 
Well, and let's let's talk about that. So like you decided to, you know, you were comfortable doing both. Not many people can do both. So kudos to you being able to do both. But then when you decided that you're going to go fully commercial, now you are reach commercial. Talk about like the whole process of coming up with that like brand and like what what that kind of looked like and, you know, how it's been. Has that helped to accelerate your success as well? Or is it more yeah. so com- coming referrals to you or both? A little bit of both. So owning my own office, I, I swear to God, I would never do it. I didn't want the liability. And then I see this glaring hole in our market where I'm like, nobody's doing it. And it got to such a pain point that I was like, fuck, I, I got to do it. I got to open my own office. Um, turning off the faucet for residential fucking sucked. Turning off $15 million a year in sales and leads was terrible. And it still even stings now that like commercial, it's it's a little slow here. The lending is is pulled back a little bit. You know, this market isn't outstanding like it was a year and a half ago. So it's, it's a little pain in my side not having the residential. But switching to the commercial, I get, I get 70% of my leads from the residential agents who can't practice commercial because they just, they're not in the industry. They don't have accesses to those tools and the systems. They don't, they don't understand it, which is fine. So I do get a lot of help from the residential friends that I developed over a decade. And then, you know, the business owners in my community have now come to like respect me as a commercial agent. You know, there's 6,000 residential agents in the market. But now that I've said, hey, I'm like this specialty type of person over here, I'm getting business from people I otherwise never would have had access to as a resident commercial agent. So starting the brand, which was kind of a roller coaster. I was supposed to have a partner and the partner and I came up with the name <laughs> and I, I couldn't, couldn't get him off his ass to do anything. And I think that was the universe saying, Hey, you need to go out and you need to do this on your own. So that's, that's how we came to what reach commercial is today. Reach commercial stands for real estate and Cassandra Hartford. No way. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But, oh, but that, that, is, that is so badass. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, you want to I see if we're paying attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, like reach. Like I have reach beyond our market, beyond the people that you know, beyond the knowledge that you may have as a business owner. Like reach can mean so many different yeah. things, and you can use. I can go international with the brand if I really wanted. Oh to. yeah, it just has that. It has that like yours beyond. Beyond, it's the same connotation. It's just big dick energy. It is. It is big dick energy. It's amazing. It's yeah. interesting though. Your journey is like not much unlike my own, wherein in 2016, I decided to like drop. I was Silver Leaf Realty before, and it was a resi okay. brand. And I decided in 2016 to, to kind of drop that. And all of a sudden, Beyond Commercial came to me one afternoon listening to Bobby Darren. Beyond the Sea came on on Frank what? Sinatra radio that I was listening to on Pandora as I was doing like a pro forma. And I was like, oh, Beyond, mm-hmm. Beyond, that's it. I did have to pay like a couple thousand dollars for like the website, but well worth the money. It was good, a good yeah. name. But I noticed after I did that and I had the new name, I went back and pitched some of the same people that I had pitched before. And it was like, it was like night and day. Like it, yeah. it, it resonated so much more. And uh, I agree with you. There's like so much more like reach and capability having something that's like a recognizable commercial brand. So yeah. What have been some of the challenges like other than like giving up your residential like pipeline, like what have been some of the challenges as you've kind of grown, grown this brokerage? 
Yeah, so pre-breach, the challenges were that the guys at the big wirehouses wouldn't take me seriously because I had this little rinky-dink boutique name accompanied with me. You know, Cushman and Wakefield and CBRE and Franklin Street, they weren't answering the phone to Cassandra Arford at Curry Christian Real Estate or whatever brand that I would have been with. So that was the commercial challenge pre-reach. Now, post-reach, I'll be honest with you, it's way more fucking work than I thought it was going to be. I had no idea, like, the back end, like, the operations. I had to bring in a bookkeeper. I've got someone kind of helping with HR. I've got uh, someone running some files for me that I otherwise would have done myself. Like, there's more on the brokerage side than I anticipated, which is interesting because we've all had brokers in the past that we're kind of just, like, talked a little bit of shit about. Like, oh, they kind of suck at this area. They suck at that. Or they don't like uh, everybody jumped from brokerage to brokerage because their broker was, you know, had a defect or two. I'm feeling that so hard right now that I'm like, I take back every fucking thing I ever said about any of the owners of any of the real estate companies I've ever worked for, because this is not easy. It's not easy. And it's super duper hard. That wasn't what I expected. Bringing on agents, way more complicated than I thought it would be. Everyone wants to become your best friend instantaneously, which is just not the way that I operate. I tend to, I work, I go home, I spend time with my family. I don't socialize a ton outside of work. And that's really complicated for agents because they think that they're now that they're on your team, they're best friends with you. They get access to you 24-7. Not me, no. And that's why I don't think that I can hire moving forward. I think we're going to stay a really, really small, lean team and just lean on the admin side. Yes, take it from me. We'll, we'll, we'll have a sit yeah. down, like, because I went all the way from, from me to eight at my peak. And staff, yeah. I think I was at like 13 total people. The burn rate was crazy. And the thing is, is once you grow, you end up signing all these long, year-long contracts. And then you end up getting yourself into leases or real estate. It's really hard to unwind it and stop that train once you've decided to expand. So let me just save you a few hundred thousand dollars. And like, no, like, because I feel like I can do, I mean, I shared with you my pipeline. I've been able to do that with just like, that's mostly me with like a couple mm-hmm. like admins. I have two full-time equivalents now and I do have two agents, but one is I'm still having to teach her every single thing that she's doing. And she knows that like, you know, I'm still having to kind of like be almost like the puppeteer right now. And like, you're going to go to the showing and then tell me how the showing went and I'll tell you what next to do. <laughs> like, And then the other one's been with me for five years. And she actually is kind of like a, like a really good, like friend. She's, she's someone I'll call at nine o'clock at night just to shoot the shit. So, (laughs) but all the rest of them, yes, they try to become your best friend. And then all of a sudden you give them too much. And then it's like, mama, feed me more, feed me more. And then, oh, that's the split I'm going to get. Well, shit. No, I did all the work to build this in. So let me just, yeah, I'll save you a couple hundred thousand dollars. So you're welcome. Really, really good feedback. (laughs) God, that's, uh, I think you and I operate on the same, same wavelength. Yeah. You're in a much busier, way busier market than mine. I'm in a tertiary market. You're in one of the largest markets in the country. How has the economy affected your business? You know, it's really hard for me to say because I have much more lead abundance than I had, you know, like when, uh, so I'm still signing up a lot of deals. I would say things are slower. There's a lot more problems in a deal where like I was cranking out in 2021, 2022, I could get a buyer under contract even with financing and I could land the plane in like 30 to 45 days. Like yeah. basically blindfolded, I could do that. <laughs> and now it's it's just really hard. There's less financing options. 
I would say the office has taken a little bit of a hit. Industrial is, is still crazy. It's multiple bidding wars to get industrial space. But I guess I, ha- I haven't really felt the pain as much as just things keep getting delayed. So I'm like, holy fuck, there's like that 50,000 or whatever it was that was going to close. And now that's been like kicked out several months. And yeah. then it's just like, you're, you're waiting. And I've looked, actually, I took the time to look through my financials, like all the way back to 2017, 2018. And I noticed that, yeah, like people were like, oh, you make all that money. But there's so many times where I'll go three, four months without like a significant like paycheck. And then all of a sudden it comes in, and it's all about cash management and like watching like your burn rate. I don't know if you're hard to hear Bob Knackle talking or not, but like no. he talked about his fireside chat. He was like, he was he was mortgaged to the hill in 1993. Really? Yeah. And he had to go get like hard money and everything to stay in business. And then boom, it all clicked. But if he had got, he said, if he had gone into business just a few months earlier, he would have ramped up too quick his brokerage and their burn rate would have been too much to survive. But because he got delayed leaving where he was, like that's what caused him. But, and I can, I can relate. I mean, like it's been uh, hard for me to like now pivot from having like all the office space for for my agents and then now not really having agents really come in, but we have an office, but I'm still not seeing, you know, I was at, I don't know, $6,000 a month, like in in commercial real estate costs. And then not to mention, I mean, I was up to over $30,000 a month, like in expenses at some point, excluding yeah. COGS. So I'm trying yeah. to get everything back down to more like 15 for next uh-huh. year, but- We'll, we'll see. It's okay. easy to do in our industry. Like people forget how much our programs cost <sighs> and our coaching, how much it costs to list every property. Like it's so it, commercial real estate is expensive. Yeah. My admins are out this week and I'm ordering pictures and I'm ordering signs and I'm like, ah, that's how much it costs to put up like a sign. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. don't have the sign that I want. I'm like, okay, let's just use a different sign that we already have in the storage unit. Because I think we have $20,000 worth of signs like in the storage unit. (laughs) What's another one? Oh my gosh. So, well, what's some of the things that you do? You talked about coaching and and different things. What do you do to keep yourself like ahead of others and stay on like the cutting edge of the industry? Well, like that plays into being in a tertiary market. The folks in my industry here haven't, they haven't educated themselves in 30 years. I mean, I'm really dealing with the, the you know, this 75% of, of my competitors are in their 60s or 70s. Okay. So those guys aren't going to continuing ad. They're not going to conferences. They're not going to CRI, CREI yep. summit. That's an awful CREI summit. They're not, they're not participating on social media at all whatsoever. They're not intermingling and, and talking to the commercial brokers across the country, learning what their markets are like and how that's going to ripple over into our market. So really just staying in front of other people in our industry. And that's, you know, that that is conferences, that is the networking, that is the CCIM or the SIOR, you know, that is just staying up to date. You know, these guys get pretty comfortable. They've made, you know, their seven-figure retirement accounts and now they're just on the boat and they're golfing they're not leaning towards commercial real estate on their time off. Like they're not spending their spare time obsessing over this thing anymore. I'm sure they did back in the eighties. So it's really easy to stay ahead of them because they're not doing anything. And it just, it feels like I'm the queen of the castle until somebody else comes along soon enough. I'm going to shit out of luck. But um, for now, that's how I just, 
Twitter is huge. Everybody that I really admire in our industry is on Twitter talking about deals, yeah. sharing their pain points, sharing their successes. I mean, that's all gatekept everywhere else. Name another place on the internet where you can log on for free, learn about commercial real estate in real time. Well, that, that was the interesting part about CREI. And then I'll, I'll ask you a question about that. But first, I thought it was really interesting. There were so many rookies that they've just yeah. educated themselves by being out there. And then that whole community kind of like comes around them to nurture them. Like, where was that? <laughs> I was there. Just kidding. Yeah, I know. Okay. I, yeah. I figured it out. But yeah. yeah. But like, what do you say is one, one of your takeaways from CREI this year? Can I be transparent yeah. and selfish and say that like, I probably need to be doing more coaching personally myself. I feel like I have the personality and the, um, like the ability to lean in and maybe take on some of those rookies myself and kind of teach them some of what I've learned because I didn't have a mentor. Yeah. I just fucking fumbled for 15 years until I figured it out. And I think that I want to create a course and I want to do some of those things, but I think, you know, what I learned from that, well, first of all, I got to see a ton of my friends, which was my favorite part, just hanging out with all of you guys. But, um, I'd love to speak next year, but I'd love to start training and doing courses and like gifting what this is that I have. Yeah. Maybe monetize it at some point eventually, but, um, I think I could give back. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like you, yeah, I know just us even meeting, like I'm not, constantly doing all the social media stuff. I'm like middle of the pack as far as like influencers go. But then you're like, oh, check out this app. And now like I'm obsessed with it. Like it just makes my like life so much more easy. You're like, oh, just do this. And so, but I feel like that all comes back. And then yes, you can monetize it later, you know, if you'd like. But then just having that impact, you know, you end up with other people in the industry because a lot of people become complacent when they get older. They do what they need to do. But not many people, I don't think Bob Knackle's going to be like on a, on a fishing boat in golfing every day. Like when he gets to be that age, I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to stop working. So I know. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people like him. They, they die in the field. They die like unlocking a warehouse door because they're just going to do it until they're a hundred. My mentor is 72 years old. She's been a CCIM since women were allowed to become a CCIM, she's, she's fantastic. She doesn't work anymore, but she still owns 30 properties and manages them all herself. So she's kind of still in it. Wow. She's not, not going to stop anytime soon. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. When I was looking at all your hobbies, I found it to be yeah. really interesting. I call it someone who has a lot of different hobbies and a lot of different interests to be like Jeffersonian. Like I went to the Monticello estate, like in upper Virginia and he had a room just for studying weather, like a room for writing postcards. He had like a farm. Like this is the yes. this is what like I would do. But then when I was reading about like you're into improv acting and koi fish and all this kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, she really is like me. And then for other people, it's going to be like overwhelming to hear all the things that you're interested. But I think that just makes you like a kind and curious person. So tell tell us a little bit about that, like in your yeah your your quest to do different things. Sure. I mean, well, growing up, I was so poor. All I had was a bicycle in my legs. So <laughs> I get out of the house and explore a lot. Um, so as an adult now who, you know, I've earned a decent wage and I can afford to, to experience things. We have a pond, we have koi fish. They all have names and personalities because I'm allergic to dogs and cats. Yeah. So those are the pets that we've inherited. 
I've become like the koi rescuer here in Brevard County. Anytime anyone sells a house and it has koi fish left behind, these people just leave their koi fish, which is blasphemy for me. We go and we rescue these magnificent 30-year-old koi fish and we bring them home and we make them a part of our family. So our backyard is, I, I garden, I have exotic plants, I, I we have vines and flowers. So if you follow my social media, you'll see like, you know, I'll, I'll, every weekend I'll go through and I'll take pictures of everything that's blooming on the weekend. So I appreciate that. And then I absolutely am obsessed with all things comedy, improv acting, you know, everything comic sketch. If it causes laughter, I'm addicted to it. So when I'm not you know, doing, talking about commercial real estate, I probably have a podcast in my ear of some comedian somewhere in the world. Ah. That's just what I'm doing. That's, that's going to be my second career. I probably won't do commercial real estate forever. At some point, I'm going to hit park on this guy, retire from commercial and then step into some sort of, I don't know what it'll be. Saturday it'll be Live? What do you some, think you do? <laughs> I would, I mean, that's a fucking dream, isn't it? But <laughs> um, something like that. Yeah. 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 Something like that. I was just thinking of Kristen Wiig's character actually last day. I I like also like dark comedy, like not dark, mm-hmm. like in, in dry comedy. It's it's really I really liked the series Barry recently. Did you get to watch that with Bill Hader? No. No. Oh, you've got a similar. It's, it's a com- comedy slash mystery mm-hmm. slash all. This. It's so good. I'll send it to you. It's, okay. it's great. I'll check it out. But yeah, I find that that's that it's. I got to look at some of your pictures of you gardening on the weekend. I miss those. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I speak to my plants. They're the only things in my house that don't have an opinion and talk back. <laughs> so, you know, I have two teenagers, so <laughs> I, uh, I go outside and I, I talk to my flowers and they're, they're, they're sweet back to me. Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live skit with Christopher Walken and the googly eyes on the plants that he puts on the plants so they could trust him? Oh my God, no, but that sounds incredible. Oh, I'm sending that to you afterwards. You will. Okay. Uh, oh my gosh, I wish I had like my assistant today because then I could do the Joe Rogan thing where like that it's like playing oh, yeah. and like, <laughs> oh, you know, Christopher walking with the googly eyes. Maybe yeah. Finn will remember to stick that in there. But, yeah. anyways, but no, I, I think that's interesting. I find that. There's a lot of people that I went to high school with that they they don't really have like a lot of hobbies and they're still like, it's like the best days are behind them. But I am kind of the they same as you. Day. What's that? What do they do all day? Well, they just like work until they can get off and then, you know, happy hour and let's get drunk and some, not everybody. I have some really great like winners, but then sometimes if I go to like my hometown and stuff, like I'm like, Oh gosh, like you do this like every day. It would be like so boring for me. Um, but I can see too, like me growing up dirt poor, my husband says his favorite thing about me is the fact that I get really excited about everything. And I never yeah. realized why that was until we were talking right now is that it is like everything in my life is new. I, I, I didn't have, you, you have, I, I didn't have cable. So many first time. Right. I didn't have cable. I didn't have a dishwasher. I, I didn't have those things. <laughs> like, no. So no. this is all like new. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's so exciting that you just realized that, that you can like experience all the things. That's maybe like why I'm so excited. Let's wait. But um, yeah, interesting. So do you think like we, do you have any books or events that have impacted you around along the way? A few parenting books have kicked my ass recently. Again, I'm going through the woes with two teenagers. Parenting with love and logic has changed the way that I parent. Mm. It's very interesting. 
So that is just like, you know, off topic, not commercial real estate, but as your kids get a little older, actually there's one for kids and then there's one for teens and it's just phenomenal parenting with love and logic. And it sounds like it's super fucking boring. I read it in a day. I couldn't put it down. It was one of the best books I've ever read, but that, that is applicable also to, to how I interact with my spouse and my customers. It's really being hands off. I learned the way that I was raised caused me to be like very anxious attached so mm-hmm. I parent that way. I, I customer that way. I'm constantly like fearful that like my, my customers aren't pleased or I'm not doing enough. Meanwhile, I'm like working 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that book, a lot of, a lot of books on like childhood trauma, honestly, mm-hmm. was the, is, uh, you know, uh, there's a few lately I've read one 10 X is easier than two X and everybody's talking about that buzz right now. That book kicked my ass. There's so much shit in that 80% gap that's doing nothing for me. And you've got to push it aside so that you can focus on the 20%. And that is, I think that's a book that could change a lot of people's lives. Well, it's interesting. I'm getting interviewed and hopefully as the time of the podcast, I get accepted. Like by the time it drops, I'm getting interviewed for Athena Powerlink. And it is like a woman, you have to make over a half million a year. You have to bet mm-hmm. in business, you have to have a certain number of employees, and you get appointed mm-hmm. like your own board of directors. And after I left the meeting and they were going through my whole business, it's like, I think I was too small before, and then I got too mm-hmm. big. And now I think actually I am just right, but I'm not probably <laughs> deploying everybody as well as I could. Like, yeah. I really I shouldn't be doing these tenant rep deals. Like, I think like I'm a master mag- magician when it comes to development development work, sales, you know, all of those things. And those are like our high profit margin things that keep like all the lights on and keep everything going. And I think like I'm doing a disservice where I think I could give more of that work to, to the other team members and, but not too much because I don't want to go and breed a culture of entitlement again. But I think my point of is like, it's, it's just like an iterative process. Like you're constantly trying to like write, Oh, it's because I wanted to like not focus on the 80%. Because I was realizing, mm-hmm. like, you know, there was a tour today that came up, like, at noon. And, nope, I didn't have to run and do that tour today. Like, I had another agent be able to go, like, do that tour today. So, I'm not running mm-hmm. in frazzled for this. And so, like, I was able to handle all my listing inquiries. Because the listings are what's going to make a big difference. So, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've worked That's with a ton of different businesses. And then you have your own business yourself. Do you have any advice for people in particular? No, I'm not smart enough to give people advice. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Okay, here's my advice. Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Outsource your weaknesses. You don't have to fucking learn how to bookkeep and be really bad at math and keep messing it up. Just outsource it. Your time is more valuable focusing on your strengths. And that is something I'm learning how to do every day. But that's that's about as deep as I can go on that subject. No, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. I've read the book, The E-Myth. And um, I think sometimes that it, it can become, you know, trying to f- grow this brokerage and everything, I will want to sometimes take things on and that I really shouldn't be taking on. And I think it's much smarter. Like, you know, I was on the phone with my bookkeeper for forever this morning. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I could just do this myself on the weekends and at night like I used to. But no, 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 no. Can't do that again. That was just, no. that was, we don't, we don't need to go back there. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. So given your background that you've been so candid about with trauma and all that, Mm -hmm. it would be super easy to like have fear take over. And then you fall into that whole scarcity mindset, which is the complete opposite of performance mindset. Like what are some of the strategies that you deploy to keep your mindset as sharp as possible? I don't know that I have any strategies per se. I just show up fucking scared (laughs) every day, every week. Most appointments, most conferences, I show up scared shitless that I'm inadequate or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm these, these people sell more than me or like, you know, name your insecurity. I walk through most door frames with those and I just show up regardless scared. Uh, I saw a post yesterday and it was like, you don't have any money. Good. Now you have a reason to go out and figure out how to earn money. You you're late on your rent. Good. Go out and fucking hustle and earn some money. Like all of the things that we're scared of or that are holding us back are an excuse to continue to show up. And so I just, just show up, show up here, go, go to your doctor and get a fucking beta blocker. So you don't get swamp ass and nervous hands when you're talking to people. Other than that, you just got to keep showing up. Yeah. I think you just can't let fear take over. Cause if you let fear cripple you, then it's going to keep you from getting to that next goal. And I think, I think that that's key to do and just keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Fear. Fear is just an emotion, not a thing that's happening to us. It's just something we're feeling and I can't take away from people's experience, but everything I've ever been scared of is just kind of a joke. Once you get through it, like, I can't believe I was scared of that. That person was so nice or that thing was so easy. It's not real. Fear's not real. That's so interesting. I was in the gym yesterday and I suffer with like from feelings of inadequacy often, but I said at the gym, I'm like, I'm going to stop being fearful, like of being at the gym and all these other people that, you know, have their gym shark outfits on and, you know, all these different things. And like, they look amazing. And I feel like I'm just like a beluga whale that's been like beached, like going through the gym. And I know it's not like that, but Yesterday, I decided to like one of the people that work out like all the time and he seemed really serious. I was just yeah. like, hey, hey, I see you here all the time. Is there a Roman chair here? And he's like, no, there's not. And it sucks. And I'm like, yeah, it does suck. He's like, what, what workout are you working on? And like we had this whole like discussion and this guy looks like Dan Blazarian, like seriously, like cut, yeah. like short shorts. And normally, I don't know that I'm necessarily into that type, but he was good looking. And he's like, talk to me next time you're here. And I'm like, oh. And so just like you're saying, like, I've been so fearful to like sometimes meet some yeah. of the other people there because like, I'm like, oh, I'm not athletic enough or I'm da da da. But I think you just have to like, you, you can have those feelings, but you can't give into those feelings. You just have to keep going. Mm-mm. No, And then you could and have you a delightful conversation too. Like I just had. You could have a delightful conversation. I want to share with you something that I, I was told about the gym a couple of years ago that changed everything I thought about the gym. Okay. Okay. Is this bad or good? Nobody's. Amy, nobody's fucking thinking about you. Everybody is so goddamn vain. We're all just looking in the mirror, obsessing about how we look and how people are receiving us. And if we're doing our exercise right, or if our muscles are big enough or whatever, nobody, nobody's thinking twice about it. Okay. It's cute that you think that they are, but they're not. Okay, good. You can go there and be whoever the fuck you want to be. You don't have to worry about it. That's good because I have two left feet. No, it's true. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I never did sports in high school though. Like, I literally, I, I was a dork. So I was a, I was dirt poor dork. 
there we go. And so I was into reading books and all of that. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm not very coordinated, but you're probably right. Nobody's really paying attention to it. So no, yeah. No one's watching you. They're watching themselves because they're vain. Ah, well, that's the Carly Simon song, right? You're so vain. Probably think the song's about you. <laughs> but we'll end with that. How does every, how do people yeah. get a hold of you? I am Cassandra Hartford on every platform on the universe. So you can find me pretty easily, or you can come to my office in downtown Melbourne. Invite only, actually. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Make, make, make an appointment first. <laughs> <laughs> By appointment only. No, you can find me on every platform at Cassandra Hartford. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been so real. Like it, it, it's been so good to get to know you. Now that we've really connected, it's almost like we're keep running into each other like everywhere. I think we're I stuck now with each other. Uh oh. That's a good thing though. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for tuning into the Performance Mindset. Again, I'm Amy Calandrino, and I'm signing off. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.